This podcast was produced by Sean Weston Media. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Media Will Eat Itself podcast. We're back for another series of interviews about how modern professional people work with modern media. What skills do we need to have these days? How has working with media changed over the years and what do we have to look forward to? Today, I'm joined by multidisciplinary designer, creative thinker and content creator, Will Chidlow. He specializes in digital solutions for other businesses as a freelance designer and videographer and a senior designer at Liquid Light based in Brighton. I first came across Will when I was doing some homework on microphones, and I often find that the best way to find out about tech stuff is on YouTube. I've wanted to invite a YouTuber onto the show for a while, and when I began to look into Will's background, I discovered that he's actually a man of many talents. In other words, the perfect guest. Enjoy the show. All right, Will, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Sean. It's a pleasure to be here. So first of all, can you provide our listeners with a potted history of your career so far and actually where you studied? Uh, Yeah, sure. So um, I was uh, terribly unacademic as a a young adult. I struggled um, a lot throughout my school, uh, dyslexia, and generally... um, felt that I I just found the learning environment very difficult throughout my whole education so as soon as I was 16 I did my GCSEs and I was straight out of the door um <laughs> and and never wanted to go back basically and uh, because of my experience of education at that time I c- considered that I was always going to go into something really practical and growing up in the Midlands uh, in the early 90s, you know, creative fields were, were, were a complete mystery to me. They were never something that I considered at all. And I went through a myriad of different practical jobs. At one point, I actually trained for two and a half years as a butcher working really? in a farm shop, <laughs> um, which is crazy. I did shop fitting, window cleaning, factory work, everything Um lots of socializing as well and and generally just a bit of growing up and then i uh i moved down to brighton on the south coast uh in 2005 and at that point i actually got a job working for uh, a large energy provider edf energy yeah so i was working in sales and marketing at that time in a call center environment and it was the first job really that i'd had that that wasn't this kind of practical uh, hands-on kind of vocational thing and and to be honest it wasn't something I was particularly interested in it was just something that paid me quite well and it was kind of that start wasn't it you needed it start. was it, it was and I was there for like uh, I think I was there for about seven years um, in total worked my way up into management and and eventually I ended up working on a live chat team now this was around oh, 2010 or 2009 so live chat was this incredibly new and exciting thing and and it was actually the first live chat team in the European energy industry, you know, so it was this kind of pilot scheme. And and from that, I kind of started to get interested in marketing and SEO. Mm. And actually, the success of that sales team I was managing very much came down to how many people were on the website. So from this, I suddenly... Something went off in your head, a light bulb Something went off and it was like, oh, the internet, you know, this is happening. This is so cool. Uh, And I just saw this opportunity. And um, it was at that time that I felt like I'd I'd done my time uh, in the energy industry. And I left EDF in, I think, 2000 and... 
2012 or 2011 and I I moved in with my brother to limit my costs at the time mm -hmm. thanks to him for putting up with me <laughs> and I went back to college and I, I went to a very small media college in in Brighton called uh, Hove College um, and I did an advanced diploma in digital design and uh, that covered a, a range of different skills from journalism, PR, uh, digital marketing, web design, graphic design, a bit of photography. You know, it was a really broad course, not, not particularly specific. I wonder if that course actually came about, you know, it probably wasn't around so much before 2007 when, when you started EDF. I mean, yeah. 2007 is when the first iPhone came out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, and, and what was interesting, uh, actually, was that was the first time in my life that I'd been in an educational setting and uh, had actually been happy to be there, essentially. Uh, it was an <laughs> incredibly flexible curriculum, and I was essentially a mature student at that time I was surrounded by what seemed to me like teenagers how old were you at the time I, I would have been in my I guess I would have been 30 or late right, 20s okay. yeah um and and as I say but before that I'd not done any kind of design or anything like that but this really interesting thing happened around that time so um I started studying and I started to talk to people about what I was doing. And immediately people started coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, oh you do that. Oh, can you do me a website or can you design me something? And uh, it was at this time that I, someone reached out to me from a bottled water company called Life Water, which I believe is where our paths would have first crossed, Sean. I think they might have, yes, indeed. Uh, so I was invited to go there as a, as a kind of freelancer um, and ended up kind of managing their entire brand, all of their marketing output from, from you know, packaging design, which I'd never even touched on or anything like that. Um, and, and as I started to do work, more and more sort of freelance work started to crop up until I had a relatively healthy kind of portfolio of, of freelance web design and, and print design work. And um, I'd actually, as I was coming to my graduation at college, I'd started to apply to different agencies thinking that this was the route. You know, I mm. wanted to get the qualification and go into an agency setting. And I just, I, I didn't have very much luck at all. Why do you think that was? I don't know. I think I think it's because I was slightly older than some of the sort of fresh graduates that were looking for work in that field. Mm. I think I was slightly late to the game. Um, and I think I was a bit of a jack of all trades. It was hard to kind of pinpoint what my, uh, you know, exact expertise was at that time. I was playing, doing lots of different things types of work and perhaps not specializing in a particular field mm, which yeah to be honest sean is still kind of still true to a certain extent now and i wouldn't have it any other way but but i think to certain employers it meant they struggled to kind of place me to a certain extent so at, at that point it was a uh, it was tricky and it was it kind of got me down a little bit but I kind of had this work with LifeWater at the time and I had a, a bit of a freelance uh, kind of portfolio that, that kind of kept me ticking over. So I thought, well, that's it then. I'm, I'm, I'm freelancing, essentially. Mm. And, uh, and that was difficult. You know, I, I was never earning a huge amount. I was getting by and I was loving what I was doing and, and constantly learning. But then out of the blue, 
at one of the agencies that I'd contacted and, and not had any luck with got in touch with me out of the blue to say they now actually had a position and wanted to talk to me. And that was Liquid Light, where I'm still working for now. Where you still are as, as a senior yeah. designer now, right? Senior designer now, yeah. So I started mm. at Liquid Light uh, just over five years ago as a, as a junior um never having worked in an agency before um and i'm i'm incredibly grateful to liquid light for the opportunities that they've provided me you know i went into that they could tell that i was someone who was able to string a conversation together to manage a relationship with a client and manage my own workload mm. because of the because perhaps partly because of my age and previous managerial experience and partly because of just kind of the sort of person that I am. So they really threw me in at the deep end. So even though I was a junior designer by name, you know, week one in the job, I was sort of uh, with support managing kind of quite large scale web projects. Well, you already had that grounding, didn't you? Yeah. You already had that grounding. So that EDF energy where it wasn't perhaps stretching your your creative skills, it was giving you a foundation of management skills that you actually... Um, could take to your creative jobs yeah. and, and be this uh, sort of not an all-rounder uh, in terms of the jack-of-all-trades thing, but very specific management skills and very specific creative skills. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, Liquid Light is, um, I mean, say the only agency I've worked at, so I don't know how unique this is, but certainly Liquid Light is a small enough organisation that they really do harbour the kind of skills that different individuals bring to the table so they're very open to you know if you have a particular interest then they're very open to you taking a bit of time to explore that and see what you can do with it and how that could potentially grow into something that could create work for the agency and obviously mainly help our clients in some way a google time I've heard that Google do that. They give you that space where you can have uh, a few hours to yourself and, and come up with, with, with those ideas that may help the, the company in the future. It's forward thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So in terms of being creative, you're quite prolific. I mean, as well as being a designer, um, freelance and employed by an agency, you actually have uh, uh, 6,000 subscribers on your own YouTube channel, which is it's not quite Marcus Brownlee territory, but we have to start somewhere, don't we? So how long have you actually been a YouTuber? So uh, just under three years since my first upload. Um, and uh, yeah, steadily growing. Steadily um, growing. Still, still small, but get, I feel like it's quite an exciting time for for the channel at the moment. The The level of growth that's happening is just getting to the point where where people are starting to um, pay attention, and, and when I when I say that, I mean like I'm kind of like manufacturers are starting to sort of have some interest in the channel now, which which is great because I get some toys to play with and talk about on the channel, <laughs> um, and I think you know there's that snowball effect with with this kind of thing where. I think people watch a video and if you've you've not got many subscribers, they're perhaps slightly more hesitant to subscribe themselves. Yeah. So yeah. it feels like, you know, that snowball effect is slowly taking shape, which is really well, nice. The snowball effect leads to the tipping point. There will be a tipping point one day, won't there? Will it suddenly just yeah. go, hey, overnight, what happened? How, how have I doubled my subscribers overnight? 
exactly exactly yeah. yeah yeah so so in terms of uh what you're actually offering as a youtuber i mean i found you uh through comparing road microphones for instance because i was in, uh, in yes that, you know and then i went through your history and, and you're quite right we, we may have crossed paths without knowing it when you were at lifewater because i yeah. was in that industry yeah. at the time as well but but in terms of what you're offering f as as a youtuber if we could go back to your first initial videos and, and the way you've styled them and the content that you're producing th nearly three years on now, I think you said, how yeah. have you changed that and what um, you think gets more hits than, than others? So, oh, that's a good question, Sean. Can I, um, well, can, I, can I feed you a little more on that? I've noticed yeah. that your most successful videos are about Final Cut Pro, for instance. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's an interesting one. So the, the, the channel came about in quite an interesting way in that I bought my first camera um, about a year before, maybe less than a year before I started the YouTube channel. And uh, the idea was that as a designer, I quite often felt like, if, oh, if I just had a decent camera, I might be able to take some shots of like products or print work it might be helpful but also i felt like it might be a nice way to get away from the screen for a bit and do something mm. and uh, i felt like it was a, a nice hobby that i could pick up uh that's still on the fringes of design you know learning about color and and composition is slightly different to web design or print design for example yes. So it felt like something that was kind of could be a nice hobby, but would also feed into my career. Um, and, you know, I used to talk to my partner, Elise, about cameras and equipment and geek out on it. And she used to say, yeah, this is really great, Will, and you're talking really passionately about this, but I, I don't know what you're talking about or or really care. You Have you thought about setting up a YouTube channel? <laughs> because you're really good at this chatting, but I just don't think I'm your audience. And this, like... And obviously that was like, ha ha, very funny. Yeah, carry on. Um, and then actually one of my uh, colleagues and a, and a good friend of mine at Liquid Light, he used to joke that when I get into something, anything, whatever it might be, the flavor of the week, when I get into something, I really get into it and I, mm. I go deep. <laughs> and, um, and he used to say, you should have a YouTube channel and just talk about whatever it is you're into at the moment and uh so eventually the combination of those two people really kind of prompted me to think maybe this is a cool idea but for me there was another motivation to setting up the youtube channel which was i wanted something to hold me accountable and something to give me a cause to create that wasn't a client project and and i think i'd you know when i my first video which God, I've sort of feel like I've come a long way since then. I was sort of saying, I don't really know what I'm going to talk about, but I've got a camera. I don't really know what I'm doing with it. And I kind of want to learn more about photography and filmmaking. And I'm going to just share that journey as I go along. And, and that kind of essence, that ethos is something that very much stays true now. I'm, tr I'm not trying to come across as an expert. I'm just someone who's going through the motions and i think a lot of people can relate to that and that's kind of some that's what i always try and do that you know i don't want to preach i know all of this stuff because i don't you know it might look a bit like i know what i'm talking about but i'm very much just finding my feet as i go along and if i figure something out then i can share that and uh 
Yeah, so I started off, I, I always knew I wanted to do some kind of product reviews because I just love equipment. I like talking about, you know, the, the gear that we use to take photos and create videos. I, You're I a tech a nerd like, like me. I understand. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and then, yeah, the tutorials kind of came naturally as kind of the next step from that. But I never really uh, imagined that the, the tutorials would, would kick off like they have. Mm. Um, and, and now I find myself trying to kind of I think I think I watched as well I watched a lot of kind of vlog style videos on YouTube like Casey Neistat mm-hmm. and uh, Peter McKinnon where to a certain extent they are p- people watch those videos because of those characters they're yeah. almost you know celebrity in the, in their fields so I'd started doing that very early on and those videos tanked cuz who the hell am I? You know, no one knows who I am. Um, so then I very quickly realized that actually I just need to focus on providing value to people. And maybe if I grow an audience by creating value, then perhaps one day people will be more interested in the details of my life or whatever. And I, and I can relax, you know. I think so. People didn't know who Peter McKinnon was at first, you know, and he, he had that yeah. tipping point very quickly, I think, didn't he? But but at first, I mean, even, even he would admit that, you know, those first rudimentary videos that he created are not as nearly as polished as they are now. But he's yeah. great yeah. at taking people on that journey. He's, he's fun. He's got enthusiasm so that he can if he wants to he can do a tutorial but he can also show you b-roll making coffee and that's a part of what people like i guess yeah he was a he was a massive inspiration actually for me i was watching his videos before i set up my youtube channel and he had just this such a nice attitude this kind of anyone can do this can do kind of attitude and and uh, for me you know my um all of the knowledge i have that i've gathered you know which is constantly growing is all self-taught and the majority of that information has come from youtube i've just watched hours and hours of youtube videos so part of it for me was like i've learned so much maybe there's something i can kind of give back in a way just by you know sitting in my office at home and talking through the things that i'm doing um so so yeah that's a really round robin kind of response to your question i hope it kind of (laughs) touches on it a bit and you know just to add to it like moving forward yes i want to do more tutorials because they're really popular and i think people get real value from them and it's something that i enjoy doing uh i love equipment so i'm always going to be talking about the new toys that i pick up and why i'm using them and 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 what that is and uh i'd also like to do more kind of photography based tutorials as well because I will go out with my camera and at the moment there's this kind of feeling that going out with my camera is kind of this nice escape but actually there's some things that I might play with while I'm out that could still have value and I think that Mm. might be a nice sort of growth uh, of the channel to do a bit more of that but yeah time, time is the enemy Sean. Oh it always is it always is. And, and let's come to that, actually, I think because I think many people think the life of a videographer, especially putting YouTube videos together, is, is easy until they try it. A lot <laughs> of work goes into it. And, and you see a lot of burnout videos from even the big YouTubers, don't you? I mean, yeah, the, the, yeah. the amount of labor that goes into it. I mean, what about you? Is it one of the, the most time-consuming th- parts of your creative life? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, 
I work full time. So nine to six, I'm generally in the office and working on web design projects. So all of my YouTube stuff happens evenings and weekends, which in itself is a struggle. Um, my freelance work outside of YouTube, I've actually kind of started to slowly turn it off a little bit and be very selective about the freelance projects that I take on because if a project will feed me content for the YouTube channel then that's great and I and I want to do it but it but some of the projects are kind of good money but they just take away the time that I can spend on my own creative outlets so there's a balance to it um when I started the YouTube channel my plan was to do weekly uploads and I think I did weekly uploads for about 10 or 11 weeks and then it was and then it was exhausting (laughs) Life and then it was exhausting <laughs> and life gets in the way. And and I, I've kind of had these stints where I kind of hit YouTube quite hard and, and stick to weekly uploads. And then maybe I'll have a few months where I, I don't upload because of one reason or another. So in a, on kind of average, I've kind of averaged fortnightly videos over, over three years. And, and last year, maybe I didn't even quite hit that i was moving house so there was there was a a lot to get in in the way but yeah it's really it is really challenging um and and it's something that i'm getting better at actually because i'm i've kind of recently got into kind of trying to batch record videos so instead of you know i used to kind of sit down on a Saturday morning, outline a video, set it up, record it, export the footage, edit it, and essentially try and do a video in a day for for something like a tutorial. Other other videos where I'm maybe out and about, they can take much longer to and spread over a much longer period of time. But now I've realised that actually, if I'm setting everything up, it's better to spend a few evenings outlining a few videos, and then yeah. on a Saturday set up and try and record like two, three, four videos in one day while the equipment's up and while I've got that momentum and then slowly edit and release those videos over the coming weeks. That's the sort of wisdom I, I think that, that many people need to hear um, before they make that mistake too, uh, where you, you put all of your eggs in one basket and, and really yeah, yeah. hone that one thing when you could actually split the content in, into many different bits. But let's let's change uh, track a little bit because I want to sure. come back to your design a little bit. So can you actually describe what your design philosophy or, or style actually is? So my design style is quite bold, quite in your face and quite loud. <laughs> but they're all kind of they're all kind of visual uh, descriptors. But I would say my my philosophy and this definitely comes from kind of working more specifically in the web world. Uh, my philosophy to all my creative outlets is, is probably done is better than perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, get it done, get it out, and then iterate and iterate. And it's kind of, you know, I see it as a constantly evolving process rather than this perfect launch. And uh, I think that that is something that a lot of people th- think that, they have to be striving for perfection and the uh, finessing, constantly finessing, constantly finessing. Yeah, we have a phrase in our agency, which is death by a thousand cuts, which is, <laughs> you know, just keep going and going and going and going and going. And we'll put it live after this. We'll put it live after this. And that actually it's recognizing that there's no such thing as perfect. Like, mm. and as well, I, I want to clarify as well that I'm not saying that we put subpar work out. It's just, it's more the fact that what is perfection you know and and you have to look at it incrementally 
whereas if you have a project that's that's going on and i've had personal you know video projects which have dragged because i'm never quite happy with it and it's a case of well actually where this is right now whilst it might not be that vision of perfect that's in my head it's still so much better than what's currently there or what's currently available yes. or you know the current website that this new one is going to replace and I think that that's a really important kind of f- philosophy that I try and carry is, is to try and remain kind of humble and pragmatic about what something's going to achieve and know, you know, obviously with print design, it's a bit different, but with web design, it's never perfect. It's always going to be moving. It's a moving target, essentially. The business side of, of design is to actually remember that, I can't just draw and draw and draw. So, you know, I'm being simplistic here. There has to be a deadline for when I stop drawing and then just put it out there and let someone see my drawing. That that kind of philosophy, you have to have that business sense. Otherwise, you just keep going. Yeah, actually, Sean, that's one of the things I really found quite challenging when I went from just freelancing to being in an agency environment was that kind of that need to sort of turn it on and... You know, I used to sit at my laptop at home when I was freelancing and say, nah, it's not happening right now. And then at 11 o'clock at night, I'd say, ding, right, I've got it. And I would rush to my laptop and churn something out quickly. And then suddenly I was in an agency environment, you know, working sort of nine to six. And it would be like, right, you've got an hour. Can we just get a few (laughs) options on that thing? And I'd be like, oh, but, oh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling it right now. (laughs) And it's like, oh, yeah, you actually have to you know you have to be able to kind of work at pace and and kind of you know grind it out sometimes uh when you're not feeling like it yeah the difference between yeah the difference between being an artist <laughs> and then an actual yeah. working designer or a copywriter you know i had the same thing when i've done a lot of copywriting for agencies in in the past and and there is that thing where they come to you right we're going to sit down for an hour and we need three different advertising concepts hey, yeah. go and work with a designer i'll see you in an hour and you think, exactly. yeah, I've got to turn it on. And I, I guess that's part of the learning experience as well, is that you're not just honing your skills as a designer or copywriter, whatever you do, you're honing your efficiency. You're honing your way of approaching each project. Yeah, exactly. And, I, you know, there's a, there's a typographic quote that I must have seen a million times on Instagram, which is, make something today, even if it's crap. Mm. And it's and for me, that's kind of like, you know, the amount of times I've sat at a blank document thinking, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where to start. And and you just have to sort of say, well, I'm going to start. And you just throw something there and you say, well, that's rubbish. But I can now identify what's rubbish about it and I can tweak it and I can move forward with that. And oh, that's given me another idea. I'll explore that now for a few minutes. And oh, wait a minute, that's given me another idea. And that's very much how I find that process goes is just get something on the page. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my Instagram intro, to be honest. Yeah, do something creative <laughs> every day. So how, how do you think uh, design has changed over the last few years then, especially since you, you graduated from college? I mean, it, perhaps bring business into your answer here so what are the expectations of designers from new clients for instance i think uh i think it's really interesting i think the whole of the kind of web design world specifically has has become much more commoditized than it used to be uh liquid light for example has been around for 25 years you know they were a digital agency before 
websites really they were mm. doing cd-rom discs so it, <clears throat> if you wanted a if you wanted a website you would go to an agency whereas now you know the whole industry is so commoditized that we've got the likes of squarespace and wix um wordpress and uh you know the theme builders that c- that come with those tools uh like divi and elementor and stuff i use like elementor that. myself yeah uh, yeah, I noticed actually. I checked your website <laughs> out, <laughs> and um, and yeah, what that means is there's a majority of people, individuals, freelancers, and small to medium sized businesses, which perhaps aren't looking to agencies anymore in the same way to produce their websites. They're either taking it in house, or they are able to use freelancers, which are you know don't carry the same overheads of an agency like Liquid Light, and and so so we found that we need to be much more dynamic in our approach to what we can deliver. We are constantly looking for ways that we can add value to our offering. And one of the main ways that we've done that at Liquid Light is we talk a huge amount with our clients now about their kind of messaging, defining their tone and their brand language and how they can create successful campaigns with their websites. And we're lucky that a lot of our clients that we work with actually come on to stay with us as an ongoing relationship, to work with them. And that means that we can look at kind of content creation, which is where, you know, me picking up a camera four years ago has now started to bleed into my work at Liquid Light and we're kind of doing video production work now as an agency. Um, And general content creation like you know producing podcasts and and stuff like that so so we're constantly looking for like our view at liquid light is it's not enough anymore just to be able to build a nice looking website actually you've got to be able to justify how that website is delivering for a business how it can continue to deliver and always looking for new ways to add value to that client yeah well you specialize in branding too you just mentioned it then is it actually rare to find people with design and branding as core skills um i don't think it's that rare now i think that's one of the ways in which design has changed a bit over over the years you know when i came out of college it was very much that you had branding agencies and you had sort of web agencies uh, and advertising agencies whereas and and you know as i've already said our sort of heritage comes very much from being a web design agency but actually it's a it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation really sean because we have a lot of people approach us at liquid light and they say we've got brand guidelines we want a website and we look at those brand guidelines and they just don't translate to the web so there's this whole question of like first of all are you happy with these brand guidelines second of all you've told us what you want the website to do do you think your brand guidelines are supporting your goals and uh, and third of all we need to evolve these guidelines in order to work online in a you know on the internet yeah. in an ex- in an accessible way that's that's usable and and provides a good user experience so we often start from a place of like we start a project with a client saying i've got my brand guidelines i just need you to build a website and the next thing we're sort of saying well look we can really help you define your brand a little bit better and as challenging the brief yeah exactly exactly and and uh you know so quite often people say oh well i know what i want just use my brand guidelines and we will purposefully show them something quite different and say well are you you sure here's here's an option here's something some food for thought and quite often the case is oh yeah 
yeah no actually i do want <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> so so it's a it's an interesting one but yeah i think that's definitely a way in which design has changed Well, I'm, sadly, we, we need to wrap this up. But what I like yeah. to ask, ask my guests at the end is, is if you can, don't don't give any secrets away. But what are you working on at the moment, and what advice would you give to to uh, to young people listening to this who are also about to graduate or they're going through um, their own learning at the moment and and hoping to create uh, a, a career as as a creative. My main uh, projects at Liquid Light are kind of ongoing. I'm working with a couple of NGOs at the moment, redeveloping their websites. Uh, that's all I'll say on that because they're in <laughs> progress. Um, my personal projects very much just focusing on trying to get the, to, you know, to try and produce as much YouTube content as I can because I just love doing it and I love uh, talking to my subscribers and seeing that I'm helping people in that way uh, with that. I've also got a slight idea for a kind of mini web-based series where I sort of want to interview and do kind of mini documentary series about creatives and and visit some different creatives and, and sort of do a small web series. Uh, so that's kind of in the pipeline, but it's kind of on hold at the moment because of everything that's going on, unfortunately. But well, it's what this show I'm... is about, actually, and, and you have my support. I will definitely share everything that you, you create. It's a fascinating subject. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, no And then finally, advice to uh, someone starting out. Uh, I think the best thing i don't i don't remember if someone told me this or whether i came to this conclusion on my own but uh there was a light bulb moment for me when i realized that i didn't need permission from anybody to do creative things or i didn't need any external validation to say what i was doing was good enough or that i would you know that i could call myself whatever the thing was so for example there was a period of time when i was studying where i would say if someone asked me what i was doing i would say i was learning web design and people would say, well, that's nice. And eventually I realized, wait a minute. No, no, I'm a, I'm a web designer. And if I introduce myself as a web designer, then suddenly people were like, oh, cool. I need a website. Can you help me with that? And I would say, yeah. So for me, there's like, you know, I think this comes from a bit of imposter syndrome on my part. But there was this kind of need for some sort of external validation. Like, oh, I've graduated. Someone's told me I can do this thing now. <laughs> but actually that made zero difference. It was more of an internal recognition that no i don't need to be given permission or told that i'm qualified or capable i just need to say this is what i'm interested in this is what i'm passionate about and this is what i'm going to do and i'm going to do it great advice really good advice yeah um and how do we contact you will uh probably the best way to contact me is either through my youtube channel um or on Instagram. I'm quite active on Instagram, so drop me a DM on Instagram is a good way. Um, and you can find my email address if you prefer. You can find that through my YouTube channel as well. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for, for joining me today, for imparting your creative wisdom. And uh, I hope you're managing in this, this isolated uh, period of coronavirus. Yes, indeed. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. It's been a pleasure. That was Will Chidlow, and you can find him online at willchidlow.com or on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Vimeo, LinkedIn, and his favorite Instagram. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever podcast service you subscribe to. It means a lot to the success of the show if you rate it. I'd really appreciate it. You can take a look at my own website at seanweston.co.uk for more information about me. 
In the meantime, stay tuned. There's more to come. Thank you.